Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello everybody, um, I'm Louise Greenwood, Director of Education at Wessex LMCs and I'm really pleased to welcome you um, to our, another one of our practice manager updates and I'm delighted I've got both the Directors of Primary Care with me today, so Lisa Harding and Michelle Lombardi, so it's great to see you. Um, as ever, we will be recording this um, and it will go out later as a recorded webinar and a podcast because there'll be some slides. Um, you'll still be able to listen and you'll be able to see the slideshow separately or you'll be able to watch the whole thing if that's what you prefer to do. If you have any questions, please put them in the Q&A box. This is for my own sanity, so I can just keep an eye on them and I find it easier than looking in the chat box. And we can also put links in to the Q&A box, which is easier for, for um, everybody to grab hold of. So if that's OK, that'd be fine. Happy to receive any questions that you have about the topics that we're going to talk about today. Um, or if you've got anything else that um, you'd like to chat about, that's always absolutely fine. So I think we're going to start today with a little bit of an update on CQC, Lisa. Um, and I'm going to share my screen, so I should just put myself on mute and I'll hand it over to you and I'll put my screen on. Thanks, Louise. So just while that's coming up, um, this is based on, we had a presentation um, last week from uh, Mani Hussain, who's the Director of Primary Care and Community Healthcare at CQC. Um, we had a committee um, our committee members came to a joint meeting last week and he attended to give a presentation. So um, there was a good debate, as you can imagine, around it, but we thought it might be quite helpful to try and summarise some of his feedback and slides. I didn't like to reproduce them, so I've, I've just sort of tried to summarise some of the key points that he made. Um, so this is around the sort of transformation agenda and how they're, they're proposing to change their approach. So um, if we just go on to the next slide, please, Louise. So um, you'll be really familiar with the sort of core principles of CQC. Um, and my understanding is that there that isn't proposed to change. So that's just a reminder that they stay um, as they are. Next slide, please. Um, and then he moved on a little bit to say what will change. Um, so um, from their perspective, you, CQC has a unique position um, and indeed they have, do have oversight over health and social care, NHS and private. Yeah, so you would hope that they would be in a good position to see uh, the situation from a sort of helicopter perspective. Um, and I think what they are recognising that since the pandemic and the associated pressures that everybody is under is that the landscape has changed and that they need to change with it. Um, so very much what they were talking about last week was that there was going to be an increased focus on care across local areas or systems. So that means the ICBs, the local authorities, um, which they have new regulatory powers around to um, focus some of their efforts on. Um, I think there is a recognition that regulation is highly complex and not particularly efficient at the moment and um, an understanding that perhaps that does need to change. Um, some discussion around how they would try to make regulation a bit smarter through the use of better technology um, and to work better with the sector as it changes and recovers if we, indeed we are in recovery as yet. So um, he talked about the three pillars. So the three pillars are, are what they're sort of basing their transformation on um, and then using these new powers of regulation to improve care. Um, the strategy that he refers to You've probably seen already it was launched in May 2021 so it's been around for a little while actually um, and it sought to take on board some of the feedback that they had had from providers on their experiences of the process 
Um, he referenced the risk-based approach that they've taken to the pandemic and the new statutory roles with regard to the ICS and ICSs and the local authorities. So those are the sort of three key pillars of the new process that they're looking to introduce across the board, not just across primary care. Um, so the aim of the strategy is to ensure that CQC has oversight of both health and social care systems. Um, and this is realising that providers are part of a system and often it's how the system works together that determines the quality of care that the population receives. And that I guess one, any one part of the system can't be fully independent. We're all influenced and affected by the system pressures elsewhere. Um, so these new powers allow, allow a review of the system um, and that should offer a better oversight and a better understanding of the many factors that impact on individual providers. Um, so that so far so good sounds hopeful. Um, so what will change? Um, the new powers will include ICSs and local authorities, as I've already mentioned, um, and so that should help to hold them a little more accountable for the impact of what's happening within the system. New technology, which I don't think he went into in, into a huge amount of detail, should improve data and oversight and should support, support their decision making. He talked a little bit about the online port portal that they've developed, which should reduce the burden on providers and improve the quality of data collected from them. Um, there will be new ways of working for the CQC teams with a mix of expertise and experience of different health and social care sectors so that specialist skills can be shared. Um, and there will be a single assessment framework for all service types and at all levels, from provider assessments through to the, the high level ICS and local authority stages, and that should inform their quality assessment. So how will CQC change? Um, they're establishing a new operations group and regulatory leadership functions, which will be led by the chief inspectors. They will focus on raising standards, having oversight of policy and playing a more influential role externally in to support quality improvement and innovation. The operations group will be responsible for CQC's regulatory activity um, and they'll work across three networks, one of which will be the South, so it will be a pretty large region. Um, he did say much of this is still being designed, but we do know that there will be multidisciplinary teams with specialist skills and knowledge. Um, so why are they doing this? So they want to look at quality across an area as a whole by bringing teams together and breaking down barriers that separate the different sectors. So I think there's much more of a willingness to look at the system as a whole rather than just sort of focusing in a, in a fairly sort of binocular way to individual providers. Um, they want to split roles and responsibilities and assessments so that teams are more efficient and effective with a more up-to-date view of quality, which will be supported by a central CQC hub. Um, and they will create roles that provide more efficient and tailored support. So there was a little bit of um, recognition, I think, that um, it's all very well and that CQC may point out to providers that actually you're not doing this terribly well, you need to do it better. But there's nothing that says how you can do it better. And whilst um, it, perhaps it's not appropriate for CQC to tell practices or individual providers how to do it, they could be more helpful in terms of signposting people and, and giving them a bit more support in terms of resources. So um, there was some recognition of that. Um, so changes to the framework, well, what does that look like? 
So at the moment, there are multiple assessments and over 335 uh, key lines of inquiry evidence gathered. Um, what they're doing is, is developing a single assessment framework to replace the current separate frameworks that they have. Um, this should reduce du duplication and improve efficiency in the team. Um, this will also move from monitoring based on whether a service is good, requires it improvement, et cetera, to a process which will be an ongoing assessment of quality and risk. So rather than collect evidence at a single point in time, they will collect pieces of evidence at different points in time. Um, and the key is that evidence collected will not just be through inspection. Judgments will be made using a scoring system or a scoring mechanism with a more concise report, which is updated more regularly. So it should be less repetitive um, and more focused. He, he gave a couple of examples of the scoring system, um, which I won't put up because I think they were very draft and actually we did challenge it quite significantly. So I'm not sure it's it's great representation. I'm not sure how it will come out at the sort of the end of the sausage machine. Um, but that is something that they're looking at. It looked like they're looking at sort of bandings in effect for the, for the particular areas that they will rate practices on. Um, so that's sort of a whistle-stop summary of, of what they were talking about. Um, as I say, and I don't know if, if Michelle wants to sort of comment in terms of your perspective, but I think there was quite a bit of healthy debate at the conference. There was quite a bit of challenge in terms of actually, you know, the system is not safe at the moment. Practices can't do any more. There's got to be recognition of that. So how or if that will influence the final um, product when it comes up, I'm not sure, but um, it was. I think it was certainly useful to have him there at the conference. Great, Michelle. Did you want to come in on that, Paul? Um, I think Lisa's done a really good summary. I think there was a couple of things that I thought was an interesting that comments about the reports that come out are not user friendly and they're quite hard to read. I think he was really keen to look at that and to make it more more efficient and more easy for people to read them, review them and comment on them. The other bit I think he said was about the context that needed to go with some of the issues that may have been identified or um, information that's within the report. And he was, I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, but I think he was quite keen to be, to enable practices to in it to enter some context into why certain things may be the way they yeah. are, which I thought was really positive. And I think he was keen to do that quite quickly. So we probably, it's good to be aware that that's an ability that practices will have. I think the only other thing just to add was that we had a number of questions that came from practices, um, particularly for CQC that we'd gathered in various meetings. Um, we have now submitted those to um, the director of primary care, uh, Man I think his name is Manny, wasn't, yeah. Um, and uh, and we're, as soon as we get a response, we'll share all of those with practices, possibly either via this particular, our webinar or, um, or through the newsletter. I think we're possibly keen to get maybe Manny for a PM webinar when there's a bit more detail around this, the, the newer framework. I think that would be really positive. Thank you. I think, I think it is some of the detail, isn't it? It all sounds good sort of support and difference of yes. field. And you just think, yeah, but actually what's that going to look like? So I think that's good. But just a comment um, about the forever changing nature of CQC and what they're doing and how they're working. Um, and just a comment has been, it's come to a point where I don't even bother reading their emails as they're out of date before I've finished. Does anyone regulate them and their use of taxpayers' money? I'm not sure we'll know the answer to that, but I'm sure they are someone, well, I'm guessing they're a government government appointed body, I'm guessing. Um, so yes, well, I don't know that they have a regulator though, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we'll comment any more on that, but I think we completely understand where you're coming from. But I think um, 
it'd be useful to get that so um to share the questions that you've put to many back here and then obviously anonymized um and then if that if that's a useful way of communication we'll see how that goes we can just, just keep that going can't we um and i know that um, lisa and michelle you both regularly meet with the inspectors don't you how do you is it the local inspectors you meet with every six weeks or so yeah it's the regional inspector so i guess that's the other bit you know in, in principle at the top level it's it's it sounds okay it sounds perhaps um encouraging but it's 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 down to how it how it translates i think on the ground which is really important and i, I think we feel sometimes that doesn't always happen consistently Mm. But any specific examples, we are always happy to listen to you, support you and just get try and get sponsored. Because one of the things, that if, if it's a general comment, it's harder for CQC to come back. But we do like the specifics and we do absolutely take them um, to CQC. And I think there's just a little bit of an, an, an addition you wanted to talk about, Lisa, um, a temporary, yeah. temporary relaxation. Yep, that was just to make sure that everybody was aware. Um, it was announced a little while ago, but that there has been a sort of... Um, uh, a temporary relaxation announced by um, CQC across uh, all provider groups, I think. But this includes NHS and independent sector providers. Um, so obviously covers practices as well. So what they're saying at the moment, given the significant winter pressures, they will respond on to only the most serious risks where there is a high risk of harm to people. Um, that they will pause some previously planned inspections of GP providers um, in most cases, the inspections will have been planned because their monitoring data doesn't reflect the most up-to-date view of the quality of care being provided alongside a potential risk um, due to the length of time between inspections. And they will pause their monitoring call calls with GP providers other than in situations where there's a high risk. That's helpful. Good. Thank you, Lisa. And thank you for that summary. That was really, really helpful. Um, I think we're going to go on to Michelle now about the accounting year. Thanks, Louise. So I'm going to talk a bit about um, HMRC change of basis period. So as an LMC, we meet regularly with accountants, solicitors, um, surveyors. And at our last meeting, one of the uh, one of the accountants or some of the accountants highlighted the fact that um, HMRC are changing the base period for income tax for all individuals and businesses from 24-25. So this will mean that most practices who currently have a non-March accounting year end a probable need to align their accounting year to match the tax year. So I to move it to March 31st practice year end. So for the year, so for the year 23-24, there will be a transitional rules apply. And it's likely that most will look to change to a March year end for the period ending 31st of March 2024. Um, so I think what we just wanted to highlight is that it's really important if your end of year, um, your practice end of year financial year is not March, then you do need to discuss with your accountants um, this particular change because it will potentially have an impact. Um, some of the areas that might be particularly um, aware that you need to be aware of. So where a practice pays a tax for the GP partners, there could potentially be a cash flow issue as there in effect will be a catch up payment. So a shorter period of time and then a full year payment, even though the tax will eventually work out to be similar, this catch up payment will add to a hastening of when the tax is payable. GP partners who have resigned or are planning to resign from the partnership will need to consider the implications of this as there could be tax and pension issues. 
And then when considering a merger or closure of a practice, consideration also needs to be given um, as to the implications of this. So it's really just to highlight to practices that this is something that's happening um, and the transition year will be from April um, onwards. So if you have if you don't have, if you have, sorry, it's very important that all non-March year-end practices discuss this further with their accountant. So there's plenty of time to plan for the effects um, thereof. Lovely. Thank you, Michelle. So that's just a good, yeah, just everybody have a just check or if they're not sure, check their accountant. Um, but that's coming up for the end. That's that's decided. That's that's as of now, isn't it? That's just, that has just been announced. So that's fine. Okay. Thank you very much, Michelle. That's great. Um, I think PCSE, um, short update from you, um, Lisa, on PCSE, please. Yes, thanks, Louise. So apologies, um, we did put this out in the newsletter last week, so it's duplication, but we just wanted to make sure everybody was aware that the 21, 22, type 1 and type 2 end year, end of year pension certificates um, were available to complete from uh, last Friday the 27th and are available to complete until Tuesday the 28th of February, by which time they need to be submitted. Um, PCSE has put on a number of webinars um, and um, information around how to um, how to do that, some resources that should help people to complete them if they, they're not certain. Um, so I'll try and pop that that those that information in in the link. Um, they've got a live Q and A opportunity. Um, they've got a step by step guide if people want need it. So just to say, just to be aware of those um, deadlines for people, and there is more information on the PCSE website, and I'll put the information in the chat. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. It's brilliant. Um, digital firearms um, recodes, Michelle. Thanks, Louise. So I think um, practices may be aware that the there was a digital firearms code that was issued, I think, maybe a year or 18 months ago, um, and it was paused because there were some concerns uh, with it. And we just wanted to really highlight the fact that actually this is now being relaunched. So for System 1 TPP and EMIS Web, it's anticipated that these systems should have been implemented by the end of January. So the ability that you can add a digital firearms uh, code to anybody who um, requests a certificate to be made. Um, and actually that will automatically put a marker into the patient's record. If a potentially relevant condition of concern is added to the medical record during the application process or after a certificate has been issued, an alert will now pop up, which I don't think was happening before. So uh, I know that this was something that was raised by um, the GPC IT committee um, back last year, and it's now been resolved. So it's to watch out that this code is now available and it will add an alert will pop up if there's any um, medical conditions that um, are of concern. That's good to know. And that's both, that's all clinical systems, that's EMIS TPP, that's across the board, isn't it? It is. There is also vision, um, but we believe that that system will be in place by March uh, 2023. Lovely. Thank you, Michelle. Um, just one query has come in, um, Lisa, just a, probably more of a comment, really. Are PCSE going to do better with their um, reconciliation process? We tend to meet deadlines, but they tend to default. Good point. Uh, we shall have to wait and see, I think, on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK, so I think I was just going to mention that we've got lots of, uh, of events already on our events calendar on the website if people are interested in booking training and events for this current year. Um, and we've had a little bit of feedback. We did a survey of all the um, anybody who came to any of our um, courses at the end of last 
last year and just said, would you prefer um, them still stay online? Would you prefer some face-to-face? And we just has, had some comments about that. And we've been picking up feedback from the meetings you've gone to. So some people have said they really want to have face-to-face meetings again. They really want the training to be, um, to be face-to-face. So where we traditionally have three identical training sessions running through the year, so we'll have a spring, a summer, and an autumn, we're trying to put some of the summer ones face-to-face, thinking their longer days traveling will be easier. Um, and we're putting them in central to our patch. I know it's really tricky to make it um, equitable distance. It is, it is impossible, but the middle of our patch is sort of Salisbury. So we're putting some face-to-face events on there. So if you're particularly keen to attend a face-to-face event, that's generally where they're going to be for this year. And we're just going to sort of test the waters as we go to see it, um, to see how things pan out, to see whether we're still going to stay mainly online, which looks like we are at the moment, or you want to get back to face-to-face. I think the tricky thing is people want a face-to-face course if it's 15 minutes down the road. And as you all know, with the size of our patch, that's impossible for us. So we're doing our best with it, happy to have feedback, um, but we're just trying, trying that out a little bit at the moment. And as far as this session goes, um, our next one should be in two weeks' time, which is actually February half term. So um, we're just a little bit short-staffed in our office, and we suspect a few of you might be away as well. So we're going to skip the, in two weeks' time. So our next practice manager will be on Wednesday, the 1st of March. And just coming up in the next couple of sessions, we'll have a little bit of an update of what's coming up in um, information governance, GDPR. Lisa and I had a meeting yesterday, and there are a few things coming up that I think would be helpful for us to run through with you. Um, so we will be doing that. And also we have Joanna Welsh, our um, comms officer that works for us um, um, with us at the Wessex LMCs. She's very good at social media and we've had a few instances where um, our chief executives have been on the television recently doing some interviews and they've done really well. So how to grab that and how to put it on your website, how for you can also use the content, that sort of thing. A little bit about Twitter, a little bit about social media. If you know about all that, that's absolutely fine. But you might want to actually, we'll advertise it, you might want to actually bring somebody along with you from your practice who you feel that um, you'd like them to do that sort of work as well. So that's a little bit of comms. But as ever, very happy to take your questions very happy to take your suggestions is there anybody you'd like to come on to hear a little bit more about then um, do let us know always happy to get feedback from you and um, michelle so hopefully we may know about the outcome of the contract negotiations as well for next year uh, from april so as soon as we've got any information we'll also be sharing that with practice and that may be the focus of the um webinar in march yes yeah, so we normally get that end of march end of february do we so that should be uh yeah that should be good okay that'd be great so there are no more questions so it's been lovely to have you join us thank you so much and we know a lot of the dorset practice managers that are doing lots of things at the moment lots of conflicts of meetings and we know it's always tricky but as ever we will record it um so if you're listening on the recorder i hope you enjoyed it and if you're listening live i hope you enjoyed it too so have a good rest of your day thank you very much to lisa and thank you to michelle and we'll see you again very soon take care bye-bye Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.